0: also the co-founder of gtp i would say gtp it's gpt pt we are the funniest newsletter that talks about ai out there i was gonna say the fastest growing but everyone can say that we are definitely the funniest Good.
1: hi everyone welcome to gpt So each week, we'll bring together a panel of discussion to give you inside scope of what's happening in this rapidly evolving field. And so grab a cup of tea, sit back and get ready for an hour of informative, insightful, but most importantly, fun discussion. So my name is Mai and I'm one of your co-hosts. And together we have the meme lord, Tyler Ni and the aesthetic king, Nicholas Ning. Wow, that
2: was a great intro. Creator, world's best moderator.
1: I need one of I need you guys to do one or two line to insert, introduce yourself. I'm just on
2: autopilot. Yeah, my brain's not even working right
1: now. No, it's okay. Do
2: we? Dude, I don't know. Okay, sorry. Hi everyone. This is Tyler here. So yeah, along with Mai and Nick, I'm the co-host of uh, the GPT podcast, uh the co-founder of the GPT newsletter. I've uh, been working in technology for over five years now and had a little Stint in finance and investment banking, but ultimately decided uh, tech is where it's at and yeah, we've been diving deep into AI and excited to, you know, share you know, our insights and talk about what's the recent developments in the market, so.
1: Awesome.
0: My education is in engineering. I wanted to be an astronaut and then I left that became a fashion designer and then became a chef and worked in marketing and software and hardware, and here we are.
1: Awesome. Diverse background. We love that. So there's a lot to unpack this week about generative AI. We all know about the real-life Game of Thrones battles right now, Microsoft versus Google. So let's talk about Microsoft first. Their Microsoft Edge is taking a swing at Google Chrome from the $10 billion deal with OpenAI, So it now has a built-in Windows browse, has a sidebar, help you like summarize documents, compare content, write LinkedIn posts for you when you can like select tones, length, format. So they want to use AI to improve accuracy for the voice search capabilities on Bing. So what are the potential benefits that you can think of this technology and how would it change the way we interact with search engineer in general?
2: That's how you want to start? That's a loaded question.
1: Can we
0: can we take that one at a time? Um, okay. Fr- yeah, let's break it down. I yeah. think like fundamentally, just like search, I, I feel like a lot of people have already had their takes on this. So it's not exactly a hot take, but if we just kind of look at how search is done or how Google's been doing search, they've had a market dominance for over 20 years. And so when you look at it, you just have your little search bar. And then now the problem is that people have gained SEO so much that they understand the algorithm or they understand seo and rankings that they just puff up their content with so many keywords that it doesn't actually answer your question and a lot of the times when you ask like how to do something or what something is you get to a website and you're just inundated with ads so you actually need to leave that page and go to 10 other pages until you get your answer so that's actually like a very very inefficient way to do search and i think the integration of chat gpt and being kind of revolutionizes search in a new way that it personalizes it for you and just gives you an answer
2: and I, I don't know i remember who exactly told me but i think the analogy is something like google is is the epitome of like when you go up to a librarian and ask them like do you have books on you know the ancient egyptian pyramids and then they point you to a section and then just like here's all the books whereas like ChatGPT is more like you go to the librarian and say what do you know about the pyramids? And then she just, she or he just starts spitting out facts on the pyramids. And it's like, Hey, if you want to lo- learn more, you can go to these sources or you can just continue to ask directly. Um, and I, so I think Nick's right. Like search has been around for so long already that um, there isn't, you know, there's not going to be a game changing revolutionary um occurrence necessarily in user behavior, but it's more so how these products change as a result of that, um, at least in terms of search, right. Um, we're going to see obviously changes in prompt engineering, but for the most part, people are still going to be searching Google in the same, in a similar fashion, they're just going to expect the output of that to be different. Right. They're going to expect a summarized answer. They still want to be able to browse because I think we have a fact check economy where everyone needs to know where the source came comes from. They can't just like, you know, talk to a magic box and just take it, take everyone's word for it. But I think other than that, uh, I mean, Google is still leading in terms of visual search, but search as a whole is about to be disrupted, as, as, as at least in the sense of its output.
1: Yeah. So I think you both bring up a very good point about the accuracy or the irrelevant information that you have when you use traditional search engine model like we have right now with Google. But with the new Microsoft Bing, for example, they use AI to give you more personalized search result. So you get things that you actually ask for. But what about in terms of accuracy? We know that BART is not the best at giving you accurate information, even in the Google ads that they post on um, Twitter. But what about Bing? Does Bing has better accuracy for search comparing to BART? Or is it the same thing?
0: I think BART's built on top. I Actually, I don't know if this is true. I don't know if BART is built on top of Claude, which is, what was the company's name again? Anthropic. Anthropic. Yeah, Anthropics. Anthropics model. But the interesting thing is more how they put out the data. And so, you know, without getting too technical into it, and this is like a bit above my pay grade, but open runs on reinforced learning, which is human based. And so it just takes, you know, if a human doesn't like this answer, then it's training the model to produce, you know, better, better answers versus Anthropics, which is constitution AI. And it's built within that model itself, like data models to provide answers that are more constitutional. And what that means is, you know, they're more honest answers. They're less harmful. You can
2: read it and you know don't take you know my word for it like it's in this website and then you can kind of fact check it from there. I I don't know what approach Google is gonna take, but I'd I'd imagine it's something similar.
1: I see. So in an interview that I saw earlier where Satya Sadia Satya, Satya, Satya Microsoft CEO he was he was so Microsoft CEO he was um telling the interviewer that the reason why Microsoft decided to invest $13 billion now, I think, in OpenAI because Google, he believes that Google has been dominating this space for so long and Microsoft wants to come out and make Google dance. They make Google have to get off their seat and have to do something to be entertaining and keeping people engaged. So what do you think Google would do? Like, what is their strategy to compete against ChatGPT? Because right now, they're obviously falling behind. They absolutely kill their so-called demo without a really a demo and just a wireframe with slides. And we call it on a ChatGPT newsletter the day before. So long story short, what do you think Google would do? Like, how would they respond to the failed launch?
0: I think it's like...
1: like,
2: go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say I think Google because they're the market leader needs to take a more cautious approach. Like they can't just throw up some rough prototype and then just call it a competitor to ChatGPT because there's more at stake for them. Whereas like Microsoft and OpenAI, they're as long as they're able to show something that's different which they've already done compared to Google search, that's a win for them as opposed to Google like they need to make sure that their information is correct because that's their mission. It's like, I don't know what word for word uh, verbatim it is, but it's like bringing information access to the world or something like that. And so like, if they get it wrong, which they did with BARD already, they're going to get a lot of flack and more flack than Microsoft because the narrative for Microsoft would be like, oh, like, you know, we're just testing and experimenting. But for them, it's like, oh, like we're a trusted product and we can't hurt our brand name. Now, as for, you know, like, the, the battle between the two companies, Google hasn't, you know, completely lost its legs here. Like they have, I'd say, between three to six months to get their like shit together just because people's behaviors are ingrained in not only technology, but in the habits. And so it's going to be very hard to switch people from Google to Microsoft in terms of their default browser. Like sure in the business world or the technology world, there's always going to be the leading innovators that instantly switch, right? Like Nick is going to go ahead and download Microsoft Edge the first day it comes out. But it's going to take the general masses a very long time. And that's why I say three to six months because you know there's, there's talks of people that are saying like, okay, I get what the hype is with Microsoft Bing, but I'm just going to wait for Google to come up with something similar so I don't have to change, like I don't have to download anything because I'm lazy. And so that's the reality of like, targeting the entire world is that you're going to have the innovators and then you're going to have the laggers and so in order to like actually acquire a good chunk of market share they're going to need to basically impress those people to the point where it gets them it brings the problem it makes the problem so apparent that they have to switch right now and right now for them it's not that big of a deal and i, I don't know if uh, which book it is i think Nick, maybe you know, it's like Digital Habits or something by uh, his his name is forgetting me. But anyways, it was like some digital, it's a a book about digital habits. And in order to get people to switch apps, your app can't just be marginally better. It needs to be 10 times better. And so that means like if you know, Microsoft Bing isn't 10 times as more effective, or novel, or it's not delivering as much impact as Google search, like even if it's 2x better, you know, for us, because, you know, we live, breathe technology, that's a no brainer. But for, you know, somebody who's like, you know, Joe Schmo, like, they, like, they're not doing that much. They're not googling at, a, at such a high volume. They're not like spending all their time on computer, it's not going to matter as much. So it, it has to be absolutely revolutionary. For them to switch
0: to microsoft so a couple of things just to like round you off uh, for the people on the call who just like want the or people watching who want it filled in um google's mission is to organize the world's information that's like that's actually what their mission is and okay the book the only ones that come to my mind are like nerd evolves um hooked or yeah it's hooked. yeah okay so yeah i i agree with that but Uh, yeah and in your in your i think i would actually take the counter to your position that i there's a couple of things it's a lot of their strategy i think might actually be paradoxical i think it's actually more aggressive i don't think they can actually take a concerted approach or a conservative approach to this how they do this i don't know but can you can you back up a bit and explain
2: how that's innovators dilemma like if they were to switch into a, a a bing's model where it's like a chat gpt interface as opposed to how it currently works
0: sure i mean right now search is like you search for something and then you just have like pages and pages of search but google's already started doing things where i think they call it a feature box where if they have a very very high certainty that they have the answer to your question they feature it in like a box so if you type weather they just give you your like seven day outlook regardless of where you are and it won't direct you it won't point you to like weather.com or like 24 hour forecast or anything like that. It'll just give you the answer. So in part, they're already doing it. But why this matters is by doing it as a whole, they disrupt their entire business model, right? Like if you're running Google ads to place yourself at the top of the page by answering a query that has a feature box that nullifies ads. So that, that in itself makes like that whole strategy ineffective. It doesn't matter anymore. So what that actually looks like, I don't know. I think they're gonna cross, they're gonna break a record of crossing a billion users with with current trajectory. It looks it looks that way. And in so like long? if in,
1: in how long do you think they're gonna reach a billion user? Like monthly active user or general active user?
0: One billion on monthly active users, maybe a year or two out. No, way less.
1: I think they're already at a hundred sure. billion right now. And it's two yeah, months in.
0: Conservatively, like globally, it's gonna be it's gonna be about a year out, a year to two at the max. I like understandably the curve is exponential right now, but yeah, I it's anyone's guess, but I'd say one to two years out would be my max guesstimate.
1: Okay, Nick have one to two year. What about Tyler? What what do you think? I think I think Microsoft will super bowl it. They should. They it should, would, absolutely.
2: It would be, you know probably one of the smartest moves in history if they were to
1: do that. Yeah, last year it was crypto.com and then crystal.com absolutely rocket after. So this year it's generative AI. Every year is a new hot, hot girlfriend that you bring to the party and then you just keep switching to the hotter one.
2: I mean, they've already they've already demonstrated that they're capable of doing something like that because they had their special event on Tuesday where they, ha- they made an announcement at the Redmond headquarters that they're going to uh, integrate open AI into being in all of their Microsoft products. Right? Like that wasn't planned. It was only planned because Google announced on the Monday that they were going to have an event on Wednesday. And then I don't know whose idea was probably either Sam Altman or Mark Satnia. And he was just like, Hey, let's just meet up, fly, fly to Seattle. And we're just going to like freaking set the stage and then make Google look like a fool of itself, which it,
1: it's like
2: that so yeah i don't they probably didn't even think about the super bowl until like more recently but i wouldn't be surprised if they had it in fact they should have it 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 would be a missed opportunity
1: so going back to the the bet that we're having here nick is betting one to two year one billion active user on chat gpt what's your bet
2: i think in the optimistic case we're looking at anywhere between three to six months
1: Three to six month, that's ambitious.
2: Yeah, because as soon as they roll out like OpenAI inside of Microsoft Bing, like officially, you're already looking at like close to a billion people that have access to it directly. So it's it, it would be, okay, you would need to segment the users between Microsoft Bing and ChatGPT because if ChatGPT is a standalone product, then it's not gonna reach a billion people. Like, because arguably, even though Microsoft invested in them, it actually makes more sense for their business model to overshadow ChatGPT and then integrate it into Microsoft products. And if that's the case, they're basically going to be cannibalizing all of the business that goes to ChatGPT and all of the traffic. But I say as a collective, if we're to include like Microsoft Edge, Bing, and ChatGPT, then yeah, I would say three to six months. But ChatGPT alone, I think it could be like what Nick said, a year to two years, if we're just like thinking about it as a standalone product. Actually, it might not even...
0: If they might not even hit that. If they do two years, that's already half the time it took Facebook Messenger. Facebook took almost nine years, 8.7 to hit a billion. I'm just reading this chat right now from Axios. But Facebook Messenger hit it in 4.9, so just about five years. So if they... if chat gpt does it in two that's already more than half the time and keep in mind like facebook messenger took 4.9 tiktok did in 5.1
2: yeah and i mean obviously chat gpt hit a million users within like five days and then microsoft bing has over a million signups in less than 48 hours so i think the velocity that this thing is moving at is incredible
1: okay so we don't have a bet then because everyone agree it's a year or two, if it's just Chat GPT standalone, oh, I thought we we're going to have a bet. And then we come back to the episode and we're like, oh, hey, that person. Right. No, 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 just <laughs> We just
0: have a bet, especially over or under. So Ty is saying under two years. I'll take the over. I'll say over two years.
1: You say over two years? Okay. okay, we'll come back in two years. Hopefully this podcast still happening in two years. Or I'm going to privately message the group chat and just be like, hey, by the way, it's two year. I'm going to mark this on my Google calendar. I to to come back to it. But Nick, you mentioned something that was super interesting earlier. You saying that Google need to kill basically their golden goose in order to grow and develop more. So with the new features or the summaries of how the search engine is going to happen, then wouldn't it kill all the ads that people are paying to Google? Because if you think about it, when people going on chat gpt or bing they get a summary of the research that they want already they get the answer they don't need to click on the link to go into the website or they don't even know what website to go so businesses on google or on you know web2 let's say no one clicking onto it there's no traffic there's no ads where where would the revenue come from then like what would happen in that scenario
0: i actually think if you've if you've been watching meta facebook's ads are actually a lot more accurate now and so facebook has pumped about 50 percent this year so they've been climbing on in terms of like google versus microsoft i don't know how google pivots out their existing ad network or or ad system to adapt to this because it's not so much prioritized based off of spending it's like prioritized based off of the answers that the user is seeking so yeah i don't know they're also
2: removing third-party cookies in 2024 so google won't allow you to track that as advertisers which is going to make it really hard to target specific ads but yeah i guess to echo what nick is saying i mean youtube is probably like 20 percent of their revenue it's like 7 billion out of like actually yeah 7 billion out of like 60 billion per quarter so either they double down on youtube or they need to direct traffic in some other direction and like advertisement is still going to take place it's just in a different form because that's their primary business model they still have the web traffic they still have the brand presence and connections with existing companies that want to create ads it's just it's going to take a different form and i don't think anybody knows what that looks like at the moment
1: right so The whole search engine industry just gonna change it's not gonna be what we've been using so far
0: you know what's actually really funny is like i actually don't think people want search i mean people do need search but i don't know what proportion of search is like how to do something and that part of the search is actually like if you think about it from first principles how to in the word is like not what people want because if i'm like um if i have an idea I'm just normal person and I have an idea of like, I describe what I want and then it's done now. So yeah. I actually don't want to learn how to create a website. I actually don't want to learn how to code. I don't want to learn like UI UX design. I just want a website to sell my stuff, right? So I mean, if there's an interface where exactly where that starts to happen, that's kind of like the future. It's not even of search. It's just like how we interface.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think in my mind, it's like a blank screen with, just like a a cursor, and you're just typing away, and then things just happen. I don't necessarily know if it's a website, because at that point, there's no point in having tabs. I mean, we can call it a website, but it might just look completely different. It could just be like, build me a web app, so nobody's on the computer anymore, because like, we don't need to type, and we don't need to type in the same traditional way where we're writing essays. Like, all of that is sort of in a bygone era. Like, I could see myself like, I don't know, yeah, typing a command, and then If something pops up, like, oh, I don't know who, like, Napoleon Bonaparte is. And then I also have a speaker right next to me where I can continue typing. And I just be like, hey, hey, Google, or, like, hey, whatever. What is Napoleon Bonaparte? And then I continue on my workflow. I don't have to open a tab. And then I'm, like, listening to a podcast that directly answers my question or, like, an audio query. And it just, like, it's a hyper hyper productivity uh, optimization where like we're not switching tabs we're not switching tasks all of our questions are answered instantly which is ultimately the future state that probably Elon has already thought about which is why he's creating Neuralink although that's a whole nother topic but I, I think the future of workflow is going to be completely changed and websites might not actually be the interface anymore
1: I see hmm. so I'm imagining a future is like the black mirror mirror like Black Mirror episode where you basically tell whatever AI, you don't even know where it is to do something and they will just do it and it happened in your reality. So mm-hmm. that could be integrated yeah. into like
0: I, I think like the super interesting thing is for a lot of the context that we broadly in today talk about AI, the interface is still text. It's generative. It's like text to image, text to text, text to audio, text to video. And in a very, very, very immediate future, I'm predicting like a year out kind of thing. I'm going to be able to sit down with my cup of coffee and just like, yeah. AI, AI assist. And then it's like, Hey Nick, what can I do for you? It's like, Hey, so I'm looking at this website right now and uh, I want to optimize my conversion by 1%. Where do you think I should start? And the AI is going to say something like, have you, have you um, looked at, I'm looking at your web copy for your hero banner and like, maybe we should tweak these things. I pulled some suggestions. And then they'll just edit it in real time. What do you think about this? And so I think there's a lot more this co-pilot AI assist that, that starts happening. Yeah, I think what you're basically saying is that the inputs and
2: the outputs can be any combination. Well, like what I was constantly thinking about was sort of like gesture to text or gesture to image. So like I don't actually need to touch anything. I'm just moving my hand or like I could be like, you know, on a a treadmill or something. And like that could be the inputs for the command, um, which would be great for like, you know, people with disabilities and whatnot, but um, the future might not necessarily be like keyboard. It it can be audio, which obviously is intuitive if you're on the road or you're like, you're doing something, but it could, you know, it could be gesture, it could be eye movement. There's, There's definitely multiple mediums. Text is sort of just the first gateway of like the easiest input that we can control. And then once the outputs are refined, then the inputs we can automatically alter the inputs because we know that, you know, the output will will happen. So right now, this is sort of like the training phase. And I think there was a YouTube video actually from Google where they were explaining how they arrived at GPT for like an algorithm because they actually wanted to embed into robots how to understand human human language and then take commands and then like actually do something that's non like trivial task. And so if you think about it that way, like we are reaping the un, know what you call it like unintentional consequences of those decisions. And so like the real benefits aren't even for us. If you think about it, which is kind of weird to say, it's actually for the robots. And so like, if you combine ChatGPT PT with Boston Dynamic robots, we're basically just fucked.
1: So we're training the next race that will wipe us off and take over.
0: Yeah, like-, like- <laughs> We're creating Terminator. Well, no, no, no. Like, that's not what we're doing. It's that kind of eventuality happens. Like, if if you we take a theological approach to this and say, you know, we are creating the AI in our image kind of thing, as any species, from an ant to us or whatever, it, you want the heart of its survival, right? You just want to survive. And so if we built out a thing that the goal right now is pushing towards sentience or to be able to think critically and like from an originality point of view then yeah they're going to want to survive and when you want to survive you do it by analyzing your threats and so if we are a threat then it's it's just like you know elon had this really good example of it it has nothing to do with feelings and it's not like it wants to destroy us we're just like impeding its way it's like If humans wanted to build a highway and there was this ant hill that was just in the way of asphalt, we have nothing against ants, right? But it's just in our way. So we just got rid of it. And that would kind of be the same analog for an AI. It's like, I'm not doing this because I don't like humans. You're just in my way. So off you go.
1: Wow, that still (sighs) picked me to my existential crisis. But yeah, sure. You were talking about, um, we were talking about the discussion of like bringing that generative AI powers to with you wherever you go and that reminds me that China announced that they will release a chat GPT GPT style products rival and they will actually focus on the fields of retails and finance instead of content like how most of us are using chat, um, chat GPT right now and knowing knowing how china has always taking whatever other countries have make it look so amazing what features do you think they'll have that would be distinguished different from what chat gpt or have right now
0: maybe china like i don't know if it's wechat or if it's baidu or something like that when they have their like china's e-commerce shopping event i don't know what they call it but Everything is done over the phone.
1: Yeah,
0: and they literally just have like people like um like QVC kind of thing, like infomercials, where they'll just come on and like sell the product, and they'll be on for twenty minutes or something or ten minutes, yeah. and then they just sell like crazy. Yeah, and that whole thing is centralized, right? Yeah. Of of how that process happens, and I wonder if it would just uh the AI would enable like hyper personalization that instead of just everyone watches the same feed you have a personalized feed based on like what you want and the the ai might might be able to hyper personalize it
2: well yeah on top of that i think in the asian markets there's a stronger affinity for like service and like oh everything needs to be done for me and so i can foresee a future where they're talking about like not just one product but like a set of products yeah like if you're like an athlete you're like oh like Give me like the latest sports gear outfit and just like design it for me or like ship it. I don't even want to care. Like here's, here's like a pictures of me wearing stuff. What do you think I actually want to wear? Like that's comparative to like what products are available on the market at the moment and then just send it to me. And then like you know i'll try it on and 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 then as as long as it's one day shipping like they don't really care and and because they have a stronger i guess like consumer culture over there or at least like their e-commerce experiences are much more advanced than we are because like pretty much everything that's happening in north america has already happened like maybe three to five years ago in china so i don't think the future is that far off and it makes sense why they're focusing on retail so like nick said like you know you're in a live stream with one of like their tiktok influencers or doying influencers and they're showing you the product and what if they combine that with like the physical world where like you have a department store at every corner and if you see it live then they'll just ship it to you in 10 minutes and then you try it and you put it back or they can like custom print something out of like a 3d printer like i think that's ultimately where they're going to and like obviously china has very strict um, policies around like censorship and whatnot, so they're taking a very like, you know, cautious and conservative approach to that. But that doesn't mean they're not going to integrate the latest technology. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see where this nets out.
1: Yeah, some interesting statistic I think about because China is more of a smartphone first com- um, country, in my opinion. China has around nine hundred and ten million smartphone user compared to United States it's only 250 million user for a smartphone so for them to do e-commerce and live, live sellings, i think that's what nick was um describing earlier it, i think it would be more a, a voice control ai where you have like a conversation with the ai and like you listen to the live stream and you just be like okay that lipstick looks great buy me 10 and ship it to my house. And so the AI would go ahead and place that order for you. Like that's what I imagine it to be. And because live stream live selling is so prominent in China. I think one of the, um the lipstick king, like you guys know about the lipstick king. He sold like 1.7 billion in goods within 12 hours of him live streaming. Like one, that's crazy. And billion, not even million. And so do you guys think Amazon would integrate something like that to compete?
2: I don't know, it's kind of interesting because obviously they own Twitch. So I'm sure in the background, they're trying to figure out a model to like basically
0: bring that to life, right? But it's it's also not how, it's not how North Americans shop. Yeah.
1: With the shopping behavior change in the future, do you guys think? Because I feel like the traditional brick and mortar, like going to the mall, trying on things, has already changed when Amazon was introduced. And nowadays, like the other day I was trying to buy like, I think I was trying to buy acne patch, and I have absolutely no idea where to buy except for Amazon. Like, so I went to like three, four different stores to try to find it. And it's just so hard. And I asked my friends, like, where do you guys buy stuff? They're just like, I don't know, online. Like, Rarely anyone in my generation go and actually buy things in person anymore.
0: I feel like it's in- in-person shopping was increasing.
1: Is there a stat? Do we see a trend?
0: Retail sales have increased 2.2 month over month.
1: Retail, like in-person retail or just retail in general? And
0: retail in the U.S. is increasing.
1: Is it, could people want to go out after COVID, after two years of being locked inside their house and just socializing? Yeah?
0: I think that's yeah, maybe, uh, like that, that's from, this is from Bloomberg. Um, This is out right after COVID. So this was published in 2020. I mean, you can't replace the, like, activity of going to the mall
2: with your friends, right? I think that's a, byproduct, like the sales is a byproduct. I don't think it's a leading indicator. It's more just like, hey, what should we do? Oh, let's go to the mall. And so like if you're at the mall, you have a higher propensity to buy something. And so like until there's sort of this like new activity that people can go and you know have a social event at that is like socially acceptable and you can go anytime for like a high uh, frequency within your week. It's gonna be hard to replace. And like malls are super prevalent across the U S right. Like there's, they take up a lot of space physically. And so like, where, what are you going to do with all of that um, extra space? I think that's, that's why there's such interest in the metaverse because like that could be something that potentially replaces going to the mall with your friends. But until that happens, like retail shopping is still going to be a big thing. And like people like the experience of like feeling and like touching and seeing in front of them so until we get to a point where there's like holograms and like things like that like i I don't think it's going anywhere
1: in the near futures. i think north america specifically would still take a long time to change kind of the consumer shopping habits but yeah absolutely agree okay we're almost running out of time but still have a lot to cover and again it's microsoft i don't know what's happening this week with microsoft but they're just really going at it so Let's talk about Microsoft Teams Power Up with Chat GPT, and they have some crazy features. So Intelligent Recap, they can recap from automatically take your meeting notes and then recap that into insight that you would be interested to know. And then they also recommend action items that you need to take after the meetings in order to hit the objective or whatever action that you say, oh, I'm going to do this. And then they'll be like, hey, you say you're gonna do this, go ahead and do it. And then AI generated chapters, timeline markers, and real-time translation for, for for 40 spoken languages. That's crazy. What features are you most excited for, Nick? And like what what other features do you think they should have?
0: I mean, I think what they have right now is more than enough for anybody. you know, I, you know, I, I can't imagine anybody. I feel like whether regardless of what video app you use I think people use it passively you know we've we've been so heavy in these video calls whether it's zoom or google or teams that I don't think anyone is ever like fully engaged you know like I've just I've just like got the zoom and that's all I'm looking at I haven't like switched to a different tab I haven't looked at a different app I haven't checked my phone I don't think anybody does that no so having these things run in the background I think fill in some of the gaps where. If I wasn't paying attention, I I might be able to read like the next layer down from that is okay. The AI has filled it in so I can read a transcript after that. The next layer down is okay. I'm too lazy to read a transcript. It's just going to give me the key insights and action items from that, that I need to do. The third layer down is you embed that with task automation so that it just takes the insights and then just like pushes it to you, whether it's through like, you know, some task management software. So like, you know what to do. And then maybe that gets integrated with performance management so that your HR or who your whoever your team manager is like, okay, so Nick has already received these things and they're in line with what his OKRs or his KPIs or however he's measured. He hasn't done them, so maybe he's on a chopping block. Or he's gone above and beyond and, you know, these are performance indicators. I just think, like, holistically, as AI and and OpenAI's capabilities gets embedded into Suite, Microsoft is just going to be, like, a productivity company. I can, I can see that being, like, a next framing of their position.
1: So they would really help you increase your team efficiency, cost-effectiveness would you would do you think it would threaten people jobs because now that you know generative ai can do all of this tasks do we really need some of the roles or can we take some people out and put more of the roles that more input in terms of creativity or higher level of tech technology skills more yeah advanced kind of employee versus others
0: I think Tyler probably got like some good feedback on this I'll just say a quick part where what AI solves right now really well is like zero to one when you start if you're about to type up whatever it might be whether it's marketing or a product release or a press release anything is whenever you stare at a blank page that's always hard right figuring out where to start with AI you solve the zero to one problem really really quickly and the AI can keep generating An infinite number of alternatives and then you can just edit so that kind of instant feedback and that collaboration i think is what changes but one of the interesting things is like what i'm noticing it's very 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 hard to duplicate or to replicate creativity novel creativity it's really hard tone of voice really hard
2: yeah i mean i think specifically with microsoft teams
0: it's just gonna help run
2: meetings more efficiently because you know in the current state you need to delegate one person to like take meeting notes another person to like you know make sure or like facilitate the conversation and then all the other people need to actually like stay on topic and like not waste everyone else's time because otherwise then what's the point of the meeting so um i think these ai tools will help with that but at the end of the day like nick said like i think it's going to push people to be more productive Right. Like there's going to be less of an excuse because all of the mundane tasks that nobody really wants to do are going to be solved. And so at the end of it, you are shaving away all these extraneous activities and you're really getting to the core of an activity or a problem. And so that really requires at the moment, it still requires human intelligence and creativity. And so it's going to challenge people to really have to think. And so, once you strip away all of this other sort of fluffy activities and tasks and things like that, it's going to show, you know, who are the true executionists, who are the people that are going to get stuff done, and who can think outside of the box and not follow the path, right? Because at the end of the day, if you arm everyone with ChatGPT, I can guarantee you that no two people would really be the same, right? Because even though you're getting the same, like you're using the same prompts and you're getting similar answers there's going to be a compounding effect on how creative you are with the output that you're given, right? Because nobody can replicate the ideas and the imagination that somebody has with the output that they're given from any prompts. Like somebody could see a dolly image and be like, Oh, I can create a comic book with that. And then another person's like, Oh, I'm going to go create a film, right? There's going to be multiple avenues. And so it's going to be up to the creator or the person to, come up with what to do next because the computer and AI is essentially going to help you get to a point where you need to make decisions and then you need to go run with things. So if you can't do that, then, you know, that's, that's the, that's the place where people are going to be scared of like their job being automated away. Cause like at the end of the day, it's like, oh, if a robot can do your job better than you, then like, there's an aspect of it where you're not actually thinking you're doing a repetitive task that requires just muscle memory.
1: So I'm seeing that there's no immediate threats, as long as you're not someone who, let's say, working in the field that your task is so repetitive that a machine can just simply go and replace, but the commodity of creativity is still going up because there's no way ChatGPT can have a sense of humor. Like, have you seen those AI-generated meme tools? It's absolutely horrible. I did not laugh at all. So, it's great to know that my job won't be taken in any short-term period, because... Yeah, I need, I need, I need a job. Anyway, anyway, moving on to Argentina. So the country has been known for having the worst inflations ever. Honestly, the monthly price increase coming at five to seven point five percent for the last six months, and they're heading towards a hundred percent. So one of the fastest country heading towards inflation in the world. And so the government decided to partner up with a tech company called RSAT to use AIs and machine learning to really help them track the pricing. So there's two layers to this program. One is to access live pricing for goods, include in the program at Argentina, supermarkets in real time. So you would be able to see like the pricing of all the supermarkets, all the goods, Another program on top of that will allow you to check whether the price posted online comply with a deal struck with the authority to control how much the pricing can increase. How do you think, do you think this would actually help with their combat combat in inflations? Because they've been struggling for this for many years now. It's not just recently.
2: I think, I mean, this is more of a finance question. So it's not necessarily in the realm of our expertise, but it's a step in the right direction to basically bring information collected across a country into the hands of decision makers who can impact the, like the people living in that country. So, you know, arguably it's something that North America should be doing or if not, if they're not already doing it. But
0: those are just tools. They're not actually going to help solve inflation itself. I think like broad strokes. It it's actually more like a precursor to potential of other countries. If you if you actually like think about how CPI, the consumer price index is calculated today, they have teams of people who go into a grocery store with like a clipboard. And like, like 2023, like they, they use mail. Yeah, for real. Like someone someone goes into a grocery store and like it's like the census. Like you know, when you when you get you get mail to like check off your thing like census stats like how old are you what's your gender you know what what do you make all this kind of stuff and then you send that back and then they like run that through to get to get the census and that's how things are done that's so bizarre that we make economic decisions on a monthly, quarterly basis that should be able to dynamically fluctuate based off of like real-time or near real-time price changes. If if there was some way to ingest large corpuses of data and just have like an AI automatically date by geography.
1: That's crazy. I did not know that in 2023, our governments are going door to door collecting info to calculate cpi that's just insane to know so looking into the futures then do you think more countries will adopt this way of addressing or like tracking the economic challenges like how argentina is doing it or do you think there are like risk or opportunities that they need to consider when looking into incorporating it
2: like nothing like you just show up nine to five clock in get your 40-year pension and then you die. So, like, you're talking about those type of people running our country and running the operations of, like, you know, using taxpayer money, right? We don't have the forefront of innovators working at the government here, right? We got like Joe Schmo who doesn't really know how Excel works, and somebody's gonna come in and teach him how Excel works, and then he's gonna forget all about it. So, you're talking about those type of people running our com- country. And it's not surprising to me that they're going door to door because, again, they're just there to clock in, right? They have no incentive. And also the government structure is not really capitalistic per se, where it's like you're, you're rewarded on your merit. It's kind of just based on seniority. So when you think about these type of types of incentive dynamics, especially when we talk about like the principal agent problem, where in this case the principal is the government of Canada and the agents are people working for the government, There's no incentive for them to like do any better. And so if that's the case, like we're not going to invest billions of dollars to go create the, you know, inflation tool that could actually save the country like millions of dollars because, you know, Joe Schmo doesn't want to learn how to do that. And it's going to impact his day to day and he's actually going to have to do work. So we have to think about, you know, these like trickle down dynamics that actually surface up into these like macro theme problems
1: I think when it comes to government they're always very late to adapt to new changes environment especially when it comes to laws I don't know why it takes so long well actually because there's so many layers to it and talk about hierarchy but I think because there's so many layers and they're very rigid and more resistant to change that's why it's so hard for them to catch up with new trends I think even now they still haven't catch up with the laws and regulation around cryptos and uh, nft but they're moving much faster than before so we'll see what's come out there okay so let's re- let's end this with a quick ai quiz i only have two questions and it will be rapid fire whoever whoever answer first would Get to answer first? (laughs) Yeah. First question. What was the first AI machine to play a game of chess against a human player? And who was its opponent?
0: Deep Blue versus Gary Kasparov. And who won? IBM. So Deep Blue. Yeah.
1: Okay. Second question. If AI could only have one sense, what would it choose? Hearing, sight, touch, taste, or smell? Sight? Why? Because
2: it's not an emotional being like... The amount of data you can collect from sight versus like all the other ones is like much more beneficial overall.
1: I agree. I I think because AI like to observe people, like they just like to sit there and watch what you're doing, then collect information.
2: And I think about it from a person's perspective. Would you rather be like blind, deaf, tasteless, touch like touchless like? I'm pretty sure people would pick sight over all the other ones.
1: Oh, I don't know our taste. i choose <laughs> hearing, you know? It's okay not to hear. But if I can't see things, that's difficult. Like, how do you do your makeup if you can't see things? You know, like what's the but, point?
0: Like you're you're coming from the perspective of like you already have this, and so you're also like you never it.
1: had it before.
0: Never had it, you can't you you wouldn't know.
1: But then you would know that other people have it and they would try to like describe it to you and you know what you're missing out on. But if you can't hear it. They literally can't tell you anything.
0: But it's like, it's all imaginatory. Like, imagine, imagine like a kid in Nepal and all he's done is like raise go- goats and milk yaks. And someone goes over from the first world and they're like, you don't know who the Kardashians are? Like, let me explain TikTok to you. And the kid just does not, it just, it does not make sense. I cannot register. I can't, yeah, resonate.
1: I don't, yeah, but the new Kardashian season's pretty funny not gonna lie (laughs) it's very entertaining Like i think they've evolved to a much higher level of uh, tv series now talking about tv series everyone should watch kunk on earth i recently watched it which is like a attenborough mock documentary about the whole human history It is so fun very informative i sound like a nerd okay well that's it for today episode of gbt podcast we hope you have As much fun listening to this as we have making it and join us next week for more again.